Well, thank you again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. Man, we are diving into Ezekiel this week. Oh, boy. Super fun. So if you uh, have information that you'd like to pass on to us or you want to talk to us about something, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find our email addresses on our website, parkhillschurch.com, or the Park Hills Church app has a number of ways to connect with us as well, as well as all of our other podcasts and things like that. Ezekiel the priest, son of Boozy. Did you just start this out with a sigh? Yes, I did. <laughs> Come on. This is a weird book. It is. It's so weird that when we were going to preach through this a couple of years ago, when we first did the Bible in a year, we wanted to outsource this message. Yeah. Dr. Don Carson, I heard him do a presentation on this for the Gospel Coalition I was able to go to. And wow. I mean, I couldn't take the notes fast enough. And um, just so insightful but within that still is so much uncertainty and and symbolism of language and symbolism of how you know Ezekiel was assigned to do things but even in the first chapter here as he are goes through and as we see this description of the glory of the Lord I mean wow and and so many artists have tried to make renderings mm. of this description and and for me, being a, a you know kind of a car guy and stuff like that too, just and very I mean, this, this idea that um, wheels within wheels that spin in every direction, <laughs> like how do they do that? I want to talk physics here and how how we do that, of course. Um, but really, just this idea, this glorious creature and these uh, likeness of four living creatures. We talked about four living creatures not too long ago, didn't we, Chris? We did. And before we dive into those questions that you just asked, which are all fantastic, by the way, I, the context of getting to know you, not everyone knows you as well as I do. And that's both a benefit to them and a curse to them. (laughs) However, (laughs) to hear you say, I went to a conference and I couldn't take notes fast enough People need to understand yes, they do. how big of a deal that is. That is a big deal. Because I, when I typically go to conferences with Mark, it, there are no amount of M&Ms that can keep him engaged through every single seminar. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't have diabetes or anything. Uh, Correct. Because there are things, you know, seminars where yeah. it does take a high intake of small pieces of chocolate, yes. sugar-loaded, candy-coated things. Because, and by the way, the reason it's M&Ms is if, you know— you give me a three musketeers, that bad boy's gone in three bites, and then all of a sudden there's no, you know, distraction. But to me, the M&Ms are all about, you know, one at a time, slow yourself down, take note of the color, maybe spread them out and count them, you know, <laughs> divide them by color. I don't know. The things that help me keep it. But, yes, I, I, I was. I love how people are probably thinking right now, <laughs> there's no way this is true. You don't understand. That is exactly true. That is the way it works. So with all that said. Remember, remember my ordination. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. We you know, my to. ordination took all day and they put a massive <laughs> bowl of M&Ms in front of me. Although I, did. I really didn't need them that much because I had to pay attention because it you was did. me being grilled about my theology. So and you had I had to answer the know, questions. I wasn't allowed to kind of 
zone off. So, so all that to say, the D.A. Carson sermon was so good. When he got back from the conference, he said to me, oh, you will not believe how good this was. And I just thought, we got to get him to come here and do this, both because neither one of us really wanted to do the whole book yeah, of Ezekiel because it's crazy, but also that shows how good it is. So we're going to put it in the show notes. You'll be able to find it and, and go listen to it. You'll love it just as much as Mark did. But yes, okay, so back to your question. We got wheels wheels inside of wheels moving all different directions. We're talking about the glory of the Lord. Four we're talking about creatures. these four living creatures. And four you start faces, to, four wings. You start to notice that the imagery is very similar, don't you? And mm-hmm. it, it looks very similar to the end of the story as it does in the beginning of the story. And right here in the dead center of the story, everything's the same. Okay, I, I don't want to bore people with all the details, the wheels and wheels thing, a lot of, uh, you know, history channel, weird people have made this to be UFOs or other strange things. What, what this describes and you, you can go online and and type this in, but these describe Babylonian, um, worship chariots. The, the very description that's here is found in other Babylonian writers. And what you, what you hear is that the, the places where their gods were worshipped are on the ground, but our God has bigger and better stuff, and it's in the skies, and it's beyond compare. Not limited by gravity. Yes. And on top of that, part of what's being said to Ezekiel is, your God is still with you, even though you're in the land of the Chaldeans. Yeah, because they're in exile. Yes. So that's. I'll leave that there. If you want more on that, I, you know, I can... I'll actually link a couple other podcasts that might help you see this. But there are so many interesting things going on in this in this first chapter, and people have tried to make it say something that it's not really saying. What it's saying is our God is better. It, the houses of worship are more extreme and, and better. And on top of that, our God is is powerful, and he's here with you. And these four creatures keep just showing up in all these random spaces, and you go, there's a consistency to God's character, a consistency to God's style, you know, the worship that's offered to him and all of that. And plus the glory of the Lord is just ridiculously beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the language that's used here in chapter one specifically, it would leave you awestruck. And so I kind of imagine Ezekiel in chapter two, standing there with his mouth agape, you know, just totally yeah. staring at the sky going, oh, it's beautiful. This is incredible. And then I imagine sort of, you know, the, the mouth being closed by an angel or something and like, hey, yeah. son of man, get up, go do your thing. And uh, so that's what he says. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Come back to me. I'm with you. Know. Yep. And then God starts to spell this out for, for Ezekiel and they ultimately says, you're going to be the watchman. You're going to be the one that's going to say, this is what's supposed to happen for Israel and be watching for me to do something because I'm going to do something huge. Yeah. His call in chapter two is cool. I mean, it's, he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to me, and the Spirit entered me, entered, entered into me and set me on my feet. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. There's a lot going on there. And I'm going to send you to the people of Israel, to the nations uh, of rebels who have re- rebelled against me. And it's like, uh, here, don't be afraid. Here, here's the mm-hmm. words. I'm going to give you those. And even though they're rebellious, you're going to speak my words to them. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, they're, they're a rebellious house, but here's your job. you got to go do it. And, and again, another tough, tough job for a prophet of God. It, it says in uh, chapter 3, 
And the hand of the Lord was upon me, mm-hmm. and he said to me, Arise and go into the valley, and there I will speak with you. And it's this, you know, again, this call into service. And he has a, a unique way of presenting judgment that's coming, doesn't he? I mean, wow. Totally. It's crazy, and it's a little weird. And, and I think when we read Ezekiel, you know, part of the reason I was joking a little bit ago, I mean, of course we'll preach a book. We're not afraid of preaching no. a book. But there's an element yeah. of there's so much weirdness in Ezekiel. How do you encapsulate it in a 35-minute message or, in my case, a 45-minute message or a 50-minute <laughs> message? Uh, but, you know, what do you do there to try to spell it all out? But, but really he's a, he's a very theatrical prophet. Oh, there, yeah. there are things that he is doing. He's almost the, uh, I don't know, he's a theater. He is a theater on himself. It, it's, it's art. It's, um, it's him acting out these various things. And so even at the end of chapter three there, God says, you know, go shut yourself within your house. This is verse 25. And you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed upon you and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people. And I'll make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you may be mute and unable to reprove them for their rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, thus says the Lord God. So basically he just said, I want you to go inside your house. You're going to get wrapped up in cords and your mouth's going to be silenced. And then, you know, a little bit later it describes people show up to his house and they're very curious about why he's weird and all this. And then all of a sudden God speaks through him and you're going, oh, it's like a, it's an act. You know, it's this massive theater production. Or, you know, the very next chapter, right, he, he's got to lay on his side for a number of days, uh, and he has a strange dietary restrictions, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah, beyond that, it's like, it, uh, you know, what they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. And, and really, God is saying, listen, you are going to um, do some theater, and it's going to be difficult to, you know, for people to get this, but they will, they will get it. You, they've got to... Um, see you sort of act this out. And what an amazing thing. A lie on your left side, uh, place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it, and for the number of days that you lie on it, she'll bear the punishment for I will sign you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of years that are punishment, and you shall bear this punishment of Israel, and then right on your right side. But I, it, it just gets crazy, all the stuff he's supposed to eat. But I think it, it, it kind of reaches a fever pitch when he's um, said, and you shall eat barley cakes, cakes uh, baking it in their sight on human dung. <laughs> you know, there's a point where a prophet just has to go, uh, what? So this prophet does say, uh, <laughs> so he goes, verse 14, so I said, oh, Lord, God. And you can just imagine the exclamation, like, God, please don't make me do this. And then he says, behold, I have never defiled myself. From my youth up until now, I've never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts or was tainted meat has come into my mouth. So the Lord's response to him is in verse 15. Okay, fine. I'll, or, so, you know, see, I assign to you cow's dung instead of human dung on which you may prepare your bread. And, and this is supposed to be a relief. <laughs> Exactly. Like, wow. So but you mean I still it... have to lay on my side? Yes. And my other side? Yes. And I still have to eat barley cakes? Yes. But I'm going to make the change. It's no longer human dung, but now it's cow dung, and everyone's great. You know, when I was growing up, um, not that many years ago, there were so many um, boys that loved to just play with the little 
green and red army men mm. and you set them all up and you had one guy that's laying down to shoot and other guys that's running and you know guys that are hurt and you, you sort of cr- create this whole war scene but that's really what his assignment to do yeah. is just this is what all this siege looks like and i want you to act it out for them and even the cooking it on human dung and which was negotiated then down to <laughs> cow dung um it had a purpose. It was the Lord said, Thus shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will drive them. In other words, you're going to go into filth in just because you are going to be brought out of a land that values what's clean and unclean. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to know uncleanness like never before, you know. Uh, and and your diet, you know, is not going to be the same. But, uh, you know, I, I like Ezekiel's pushback here and, and even the Lord's response. Uh, um, certainly it's because he's certainly grossed out by it, doesn't want to do it uh, from that standpoint. But there's also this, you know what, Lord, I, why why would I defile myself in this way? I, I, I've tried to honor you in this way. And it speaks to him uh, being faithful in that regard. And so the Lord gives him a compromise. <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a really interesting character. Oh yeah. And a really good man. And you go back to chapter 1 and you find out he's a priest, which explains why he hasn't defiled himself, right? Cuz he wants to meet right. with the Lord individually. Uh, and then you know you move toward the end of the book and you've got some amazing names that show up. Gog and Magog both show up at the end of the book. There's this strange temple imagery thing that you see that there's a ton of conversation about that. Uh, you know, and then as you move forward into the book of Revelation, like you mentioned the four creatures earlier, there is so much imagery in Ezekiel that is then pulled up by John in in the Revelation that you go, okay, there's there's clearly a connection here. But then my favorite story in, in Ezekiel is the Valley of Dry Bones, right? I mean, this idea that Ezekiel is pu- called up to this place where there is just devastation has occurred and his first move is to speak and the, and the bones start to come back to life. And then the breath of the Lord just breathes into them and gives them life back. Yeah. And it's just this beauty of, I, I'm going to let you guys go really, it's going to go really badly for you. But what's going to end is this restoration of my people. And I'm going to call them my, my people and they will be my, my people. And, and I, and I will be your God. You're going to call me God. You're not going to go after all these other gods that everybody else has. The, the, you know, that's what Ezekiel's really speaking against. And then you go, what a, that's an amazing chapter of scripture, Ezekiel. Even the description of dry bones. I mean, yeah. What, I mean, you can't get a more clear distinction or imagery of complete dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just dried up. There's no morsel of life left. And yet, no, God can, God can bring that life back. Yeah. It's a good message. And in the whole book of Ezekiel, one of the beautiful things that's happening in the whole thing is the people are just curious of him, but they don't actually ever listen to him. So he keeps saying all these things and they, you know, they show up at his house and he's tied up in cords and they're like, oh, that's interesting. He can't talk or, you know, oh, he's laying on his side again for 390 days. What's going on? And what's really interesting, and I think this is kind of one of the main points of Ezekiel is they just treat him as a curiosity, as a circus act, as a theater show. You know, they, they show up and they watch the movie or they listen to the TV show. They're interested in, in what's happening. It'd be like watching The Chosen right now. You know, we're both loving that show. It's just so cool to see what, what God is doing with these actors and actresses and, and 
you know, really cool telling of Jesus. But imagine watching the whole show and never being moved and never actually putting your faith in Jesus. You just, you're watching it. You're a fan, you know, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan, right? You're just interested. You like the idea, but you never once pledge allegiance to him. And, And that's really part of what's happening in Ezekiel is this discussion of everybody treats him like a triviality. When all, what Ezekiel's saying is life. It, it's the very words of life, but the majority of people are just choosing not to listen to it, and they're punished for it. Yeah, and the the obedience here, and we see it in so many ways, just even being willing to, to communicate in that way, but even in chapter 24, hmm. the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, behold, I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke. Yet you shall not mourn or weep, or shall not, uh, uh, nor shall tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. It goes on. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at the evening my wife died. Hmm. And on the next morning, I did as I was commanded. I mean, you want to say, okay, why, why, you know? Oh, by the way, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your wife away, and uh, oh, don't you dare cry, don't, don't mourn, don't, don't weep, uh, a small sigh maybe, uh, but no tears. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's weird, and in, and in context with what we've been talking about this whole time, if you go on and read the rest of the chapter, so that's your homework for this podcast. Go back and and read the rest of 24. So that's starting in verse 15 and on. Mm-hmm. And watch the people's response. They're interested, but not enough to actually pay attention to what God's trying to say to yeah. them through Ezekiel. And that is the consistent message in the whole book. And what's ironic is the people are the valley of dry bones, and yet they are not willing to listen to the word of the Lord and to get up and move on. It's sad. Which is a reminder that hearing the story, knowing the truth, being curious about it, even intellectual assent to Christ isn't enough, is it? No. You know, it's, Bible says even the demons believe, you know, but there's something seriously missing there, and there was there. That's an important word for us to consider and ponder as we, you know, close up the book of Ezekiel and... Because we've put a bow on it, because we've, we've answered every question there is for it. <laughs> and by the way, when you have a bunch of questions for it, we may not have the answers. The, the best theologians in the history of the world have argued about this book, so we definitely don't have the answers. Oh, we aren't the best theologians in the world. Oh, I was including us in that, oh, okay. in right, that good, group. Good. Yeah, of course. Cool. So, All right, thanks, everybody, for listening.